I'm your host, writer Todd Smith, and today we're joined by City of Lancaster City Manager Jason Cottle and its first ever Chief of Police, Roderick Armelin. Gentlemen, welcome to the Public CEO Report. It's an honor to be here, and it's uh, we appreciate what you do for us and every city out there. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the invite. Thank you, gentlemen. So uh, let's get our, first of all, context. Uh, Jason, tell me about the City of Lancaster and how long you've been there as a city manager. Yep, City of Lancaster's uh, been here 16 years now. Uh, was assistant for 10 and going on, well, five or six now as city manager. Um, so it's uh, been a long run here. Lancaster's just north of LA County for people who don't know where it's at. And uh, very entrepreneurial, great council who wants to change the world on a regular basis. And uh, they, they enlist us to try to change it for the better. Yep. Um, population of Lancaster? 170,000 people. And you've been a generally follow the contract cities model on a lot of the work that you've done historically, correct? Yes, we have from a contract cities perspective. Yeah, we have a number of contracts. Um, we have contracted for the LA County Sheriff's Office since the inception of the city. So it has uh, it has always had the LASD as our uh, law enforcement arm. Awesome. All right, and Chief, tell me about yourself. What's your background? Right. Well, I am uh, a uh, approaching a 35-year law enforcement veteran. I try to hide these stripes because they tell that to everybody. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 30, 30, almost 35 years, I did the first 32 with LA County Sheriff's Department, and uh, that was a fantastic uh, career, multitude of assignments. Uh, I uh, retired as a captain and was hired the very next day as a chief of police for the city of Sierra Madre. Uh, and did about two and a half, uh, somewhere close to three years there, and then came on over here to Lancaster to become their first chief and develop this program. So, and when did you arrive in Lancaster? That would have been July of 2022. Okay, so you've been there just over a year or so. That's correct. As uh, helping the city fulfill its vision. So, uh, I guess, Tell me about this vision. I mean, to have a chief sitting there for a contract city is a unique model. And Jason, you and I have had some background to chat about some some of the vision that the city has. But um, give me some background on this new approach to public safety services in the city of Lancaster. Yeah, well, I think it's twofold. One is the um, the reality is in California and L.A. County specifically, um, we've uh, envisioned crime and crime enforcement different than we have in the past. Um, the reality is the tools that were available to us in the past, uh, whether it be arrest or jail, right, have frankly been taken away from us. Um, so the, the twofold is one is that we have to create a model that fits within that new societal framework. Um, the reality is whether you agree with it or not, it's the law of the land. Some of the things we thought were crimes and still think are crimes, uh, we don't have the tools necessary to enforce. Um, at the same token, the sheriff's department is really good using those tools, the, the prior tools, um, but as it relates to the new tools that we're going to be implementing, administrative citation process, community engagement, community involvement, that's going to be something that's going to be far better uh, programmed or produced at a local level than would be at a county level where you have some of the regulations and uh, uh, bureaucracies that bind some of their hands, frankly. Um, the second component of that is local control. Is I think there's been a point in time in history where I think city councils were willing to sacrifice their public service to an elected sheriff who was enforcing the crime. Um, and for that matter, to an elected DA that was uh, you know, uh, also uh, incarcerating people and uh, you know, doing their part of enforcement. That's changed a little bit in LA County. Um, and the reality is we need to look at a different role as the city police saying, hey, we gotta take more local control of these aspects rather than leave it 
um, to the Board of Supervisors now in a lot of cases with regard to LA County and to a DA that frankly isn't doing their job. So uh, so I guess if you could then just a little bit of background then, how does this how does this model work then? What's the role or maybe chief, you can speak to that, but what's 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 the policing model here? Because this is still hybrid. You're still going to have a sheriff contract, right? Right, Jason? Correct. And I think so, we, when we look at it, when, the, when I tell and I'll have the chief talk about the details, uh, we look at it as co-producing our police services, right? Um, is that there are certain functions that I think the sheriff's department's going to do and there's certain functions, well, that I know they're going to do and there's certain functions that we're going to do. Um, and I think that's the co-production. At the end of the day, when you call 911 and there's an emergency, you call 911 and it goes to the sheriff's department. Um, but I think some of the other softer services that we're going to be handling, and I'll let Chief talk about the details of that, that I think are going to what what bridges and makes it a hybrid model. Absolutely, and and the word hybrid couldn't describe this any better. Uh, we're we're talking about having two agencies providing public safety services in the city, and as Jason mentioned, nothing that the public knows. Uh, regularly and that has happened is going to change 911 you know for emergencies or get the sheriff's department they need a report taken uh, because a car was broken into the night before they'll dial the sheriff's uh, regular line we're going to be a no call non-dispatchable police agency so what's going to happen is uh, we, that's going to give us the time to do some of the things that the sheriff's department and the deputies are frankly struggling with because of staffing issues and, and some of the demands that are placed upon them. Uh, we're gonna do heavy, heavy community engagement. Uh, and we're also going to be able to, to focus on long-term root cause problems, uh, you know, and try and deal with those. But the other really important side of it too is, is as we identify these problems, these long-term issues, we'll have the ability to work on them with a multitude of, uh, of resources, including some social services pieces, and try and solve those problems in that manner, and also reduce the demand on the sheriffs, hopefully reduce some of those calls for services that they're getting so much of. So, and Jason, obviously this has been long coming. You guys have been thinking about this at the city for a while, right? Correct, yeah, it's been, it's been the works for the vision has been there for a number of years. COVID hit and delayed us a little bit, but yes, it was always something that we've, not always, last six, seven years we've talked about doing. Um, and finally, over the last two years, really dug in and started. And what I hear about the motivations behind that were a combination of um, some cost management, increased services, modeling some new ways to address crime trends and challenges that we're seeing across California. And then it sounds like to some extent it was um, concerns with the broader methodology for law enforcement in LA County and wanting to have your own approach to be able to supplement that. Is that a fair summary of the changes? Yeah, absolutely true. And when we when we do the crime analytics of what our, our deputies are dealing with, um, they deal with a lot of shoplifting, right? They deal with a lot of homelessness issues. They deal with a lot of the things that every city's dealing with. Um, and we have the, our most expensive unit doing that, right? They may be responding to non-emergent calls. Your car got broken into the night before. Um, that's our most expensive and frankly, most trained and most valuable as well, unit that we're sending out to take a report on a, on a car that was broken into the night before, or sending to our Walmart or Target to deal with a shoplifting that, you know, frankly, a lot of people, well, the voters of California determine is not a crime anymore. So we have all these high trained, high value resources, highly uh, costly resources that are responding to calls that people consider low priority, um, but they don't consider them non-priority. 
So the key is, is that let's put a different level of service onto those and maybe we'll want to increase their response times, increase their availability to go to some of those other calls and deal with some of those other issues while we're handling homelessness and some of the social issues that are addressed with that, shoplifting and some of the challenges from a, from a retail perspective that we're dealing with. Um, you know, to the thefts, the, you know, the, the burglaries that are not emergent or you're coming back from vacation, your house is broken into those types of things that are take demand. Or even looking at from a traffic perspective, some of these traffic reports that are being taken, non-injury collision traffic reports don't need one of our traffic officers who are no longer enforcing their traffic laws to be out there filling out a report for non-injury uh, uh, traffic collision. These are the type of things that we can come into and co-produce to create more time for our deputies to do what they do best and allow the community-minded effort to do what it does best. So I think the term I kept hearing here there was non-emergent, right? Which is a, a great term, and I think that explains it. So, Chief, is that is that the gist of where that handoff is to some extent? And I'm, I'm not into the interface question yet because I think that's a separate and more complex question that I would love to dive into. But from a if uh, from roles and responsibilities, it sounds like to the the goal is to have your effort working on the non-emergent issues to free up those sheriff deputies in the in from LA County, correct? That is absolutely correct. We we uh, uh, now we will be a law enforcement agency that is in the area and should we hear some emergency, we'll have the ability to respond to, to it. These will be post-certified police officers. But those calls and everything are generally going to go to the sheriff's department, uh, the higher level level emergency calls. So and anything non-emergent uh, we'll be able to deal with it. But once again, we're going to be non-dispatchable, our officers. So uh, um, we'll learn of issues from the community as well as from the sheriff's department as, as when they can pass things along to us and say, can you, can you take a look at this problem? Uh, and out of curiosity, just so uh, I'm not sure, Jason, there must have been a few cities that have contacted you to ask you about this model you're pursuing, right? Or have they all uh, not inquired yet? Yeah, well, I, I think they're still waiting and learning, right? So we've, we've actually, our communication staff, who's amazing, I'll give them a plug there. Um, they're actually working on taking what we're doing and putting it into some level of white paper, some kind of messaging about kind of what the model is we're doing because, uh, you know, some of it's it's all brand new, right? It's never been yep. done. So we, you know, had a study done originally that we've kind of changed a little bit from and morphing from, and now as you hire officers, it's a different story. So, you know, as we move, we adjust based on certain factors and information but when it's all said and done, we should have a model. And this is where our mayor, who's the, the you know, and our council who's very visionary, sees themselves as doing this on behalf of others as well, that we hopefully create a roadmap um, for others if they want to follow it. We're, we're obviously in a non-competitive business and love to share. We'd be happy to tell the story about, about how we succeeded. Well, that's, I mean, partly the reason why this very podcast exists is to kind of bring these innovative ideas to the forefront. Lord knows in my work with you over the years in Lancaster, you guys are constantly breaking down barriers and doing new stuff. So um, that's why that, that's what, one of the reasons I was really excited to get this call in the books and have a conversation with you guys. Um, Chief, how, like, how do you measure success? How do you know you're doing well with this new model? What, what are you going to be looking at? Well, quite simply, the big part of it is going to be through community engagement. Uh, like I said, we're going to have heavy, heavy community engagement. Uh, our officers are going to be known as district officers. And so each one will be assigned to a district. Uh, they will work with uh, pieces that we already have in place, which includes our community engagement team, our special projects team. And we'll do uh, uh, what you can imagine or, or what was law enforcement, where we're in the community 
and we want to know people by first name and we want them to know us by first name. So we're going to seek that feedback from them in a multitude of ways, including through uh, surveys, through uh, continuous community meetings, uh, a ramped up um, um, neighborhood watch program, and then we want to develop uh, ambassadors in each of those district areas and work with them to ensure we're getting all that feedback we need. And then the other thing truly is through the sheriff's department. We, we, we've, we've established a great relationship already, but getting that feedback from them on how we're helping with some of the long-term issues, how we're helping with the many demands that the deputies have. Uh, uh, you know, to give you an example, we started this already, believe it or, uh, or not, and that's without hiring an officer. We've, we learned of a location, a hotel that was, um, I mean, just a massive draw in the sheriff's department over 900 calls for service in a little over two years. And 40% of those calls were of the violent nature. And we wasted no time pulling together social services pieces, government uh, entities, and that hotel closed down. And that's 900 calls for service, I guess somewhere around 450 calls for service a year pulled away from those deputies to free them up and do other things. So that feedback will be important as well. We also have just we can advertise. We've got an RFP out for um, KPI services or key performance indicators as it relates to our police department. Um, is that at the end of the day, when you talk about other cities wanting to do this, they're going to want to see outcomes. And mm -hmm. our mayor and our council is very driven as it relates to they want to see progress and you know verifiable empirical data. Um, so we're looking for a firm to come help us do that, where we can kind of say, what was what was it like like you know before? What is it like after? And so that we can have some real justifiable statistics that say response times decreased, right? Um, community sentiment increased, community safety increased, whatever that might be, whatever those KPIs are identified to be, and then track those, right? And track them comparatively before we existed, track them while we exist, and then that also allows us to improve in the future as well. What, what I think is interesting about that too, and maybe it's a question, well, it's certainly a question for me to ask, which is, it seems to me like this could positively affect indicators for both your operations for the Lancaster function, as well as for your sheriff responses too, right? So I'm just, are you going to have insights into KPIs for both entities and see how they change with these with this implementation? Yeah, we, we have access to their stats as well. But yeah, the key is, and when we talk about co-producing, and I don't want this ever to, not to come off at all that there's anything against the sheriff's deputies or the sheriff's department itself. Um, they're over. They're overworked, right? We were down 30 officers at one point mm -hmm. uh, that weren't getting filled. They're doing two to two overtime shifts a week. So we see those limited overtime shifts. If we can provide more response time to them, we see those response times that they're going to be able to responding to calls that matter, or I should say have a higher importance um, so that that lowers the response time for those. And then it increases the response times for us responding to those non-emergent burglary calls potentially. So that we're, we're decreasing response times. Um, yeah, that sounds right. That's a double negative. We're decreasing <laughs> response times. Um, in all levels, right? The, some of the things we respond to, but also the things that the sheriff's department is currently responding to. Uh, Chief, is this going to be 24-7 operation on your side, or are you guys going to work like a 12-hour shift and then you're closed from 6 to 6 or something? So we're going to have the ability to work whatever hours we need to. We're going to be flexible, uh, but it will be a 40-hour work week. But we're going to work according to the demands of the city. And also, we want to hear from the community. We want to hear how they want to be policed and what's important to them. And we will 
adjust our schedule to address issues and also find better times, uh, better locations uh, to engage with them. And if that requires us to work on some Saturdays and Sundays, that's what's going to happen. Community engagement is an important part. I suspect you'll find yourself sitting out there at some soccer games on the weekend or going to some community fairs or things like that, Chief, to make sure you're getting that community engagement done. So no doubt this will turn into seven days a week of being out there, out and about with the people of, of Lancaster. Um, I guess a related question then, Chief, how many people have you hired so far for this new department? So uh, amazingly, this is the way it goes. We are a department of one. Okay. <laughs> but we are uh, going through our hiring phases now. We're about to put out for our officers. Uh, that will go out and we'll start uh, uh, that recruitment. Uh, my uh, second in command, my assistant chief, has also been hired. Uh, he is currently working in the civilian position as I did, or non-sworn position, excuse me, as I did. He'll be sworn in shortly. And, uh, and we'll, we'll start our hiring process of uh, the other officers. So um, I guess it's fresh now. So you get to kind of make it into what you want, which is always uh, an adventure. I'm curious, how, what's your strategy for your hiring strategy for ensuring kind of the, the officers and the civilian staff who join the team are reflective of community of the community, either values or interests or uh, other diversity factors that are always, uh, you know, out of interest of care of communities. So, you know what? I appreciate you asking that, Ryder, because I got to be honest with you. In my 34 years, there's nothing more important than trying to be as reflective of your community as you can possibly be, and especially in law enforcement. So uh, we are going to, uh, we're, we're reaching out to several different ent entities, including uh, all, the, all the cultural entities that are in the community. We're reaching out to the churches. Uh, we're reaching out to some of the officer associations, such as the Black Peace Officers Association of Los Angeles County and the Hispanic Officers Association of Los Angeles County. But I think uh, most importantly, what we're going to do is we're gonna involve community in the selection of our officers. Mm -hmm. and we're gonna have community members assist us in the selection of our officers, because uh, we wanna make sure we're picking the right individuals and we wanna hear from them who they want to see and what's important to them in police officers out in the community. Uh, well, fair enough. I guess you'll, the proof will be in the pudding here. You got a lot of hiring and a lot of opportunity to make that happen. So, and Lord knows it's a tough environment to recruit out there. You got any innovative strategies or just too much secret sauce you don't want to share yet? <laughs> don't, don't have any secret sauce I want to share yet. Uh, but uh, I think, I'll be honest with you, uh, an incredible opportunity or law enforcement officers, and and uh, we're trying to hire experienced individuals who who have already worked, uh, and it's an incredible opportunity to come and work uh, in an environment where you are going to be, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of target and targeted enforcement. Uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, another way to put it is, we'll find problems and we'll have the time to work on those with your team, and uh, and. Let me, let me just add that as we find these problems, uh, we're going to try and gain cooperation from the individuals or, or the locations. We're going to try that and see what we can do to, to get them to conform to or, or work in the, the uh, type of pattern or live in the type of pattern that's acceptable here in Lancaster. Yeah, I, I kind of mimic that as, as a father. I always say to my daughter, make good choices. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, she's on the other side of the country at this point, so all I can tell her to do is make good choices because I have to control. <laughs> well, mine tells me to make good choices, so we have to <laughs> Well, you probably benefit from that advice, Jason. <laughs> um, uh, and how about tech, right? So, you know, Jason, again, you guys are always doing innovative things. Where, where Do you see technology playing a role in helping you guys do things in a more innovative fashion than maybe other departments get to, especially when you're building from the ground up? What's what's your tech strategy? Yeah, well, I think there's there's absolutely one. Absolutely, I agree completely. And Chief's been leaning in on this, and his assistant is, is huge in tech. Um, is it one of those stats, right? Getting in, get, Gaining and gathering every one of those stats so we can make smart decisions as it relates to where we respond, how we respond. Um, we've implemented a drone program where we're actually, we have a difficulty getting the helicopter to fly up here, the sheriff's helicopter, mm-hmm. just because of wind and availability and location. Um, is a, drain pro- a drone program that's going to be city operated. It's going to be working hand in hand with the sheriff's department, hopefully decrease their response times, increase their safety, um, be able to handle some of these parties we're dealing with that you can come in with a drone instead of walking deputies into these large you know, uh, parties and things we deal with. Um, we've even got the tech from a predictive ana- analytics perspective and seeing what the future holds. And we talk about some of the tactics and you know, we've had some issues with parties. I'm sure everybody mm-hmm. has where these, these large parties rent these places and then before you know it, you have a problem. Is actually going online and doing some of this online pre-research right, to identify right. these locations. Uh, when we bring that technology in with our community service officers, as well as some of our uh, public outreach people, it's just this multitude of technology that we can engage in and then help direct some of the enforcement efforts of the sheriff's department as well. Um, they still do an amazing job, but they got, you know, it's never better than a 911 call information, but if we can get stuff to them sooner, um, get some predictive analytics in there, get some key performance indicators, drone program. We got cameras on our streets now, these flock cameras that monitor license plates. We've got more coming. We've got neighborhood watch programs that are allowing people to install cameras in their neighborhoods that we can see um, from a remote point from from our phones, from the de- from chief phone. He can mm-hmm. watch these neighborhoods. So there's a whole lot of this tech going in as well that's going to hopefully have an impact in crime. Now, right, if, if I can add, I'll, I'll just say, uh, you know, I've, I've worked for a multitude of city councils and mayors, uh, especially in my time with with the sheriff's department working different stations. And I, I've never worked for a council and a mayor who's open to doing whatever it takes. And and like Jason mentioned, those fly cameras, when I went and said, these will help us, uh, it was a snap of a finger and they said, make it happen. And those things have been instrumental in helping us deal with some of the crime issues. Also wanna add, we're, we're building an intelligence crime assessment center which is gonna allow us to not only sew in all these technologies, but also pay attention to what's going on out there, not just in this region, but in the world as well. Right, yeah, so that when people wanna import their crime into Lancaster, you can try to see it coming, I assume. Correct. Uh, I'm curious about the drones. So I had a wonderful conversation with the mayor of Beverly Hills about some drone work that they'd been doing down there. And they've been supplementing their police force with private security. Uh, and then they've also been flying drones around there to kind of intervene in crime. I don't know if either of you have had a chance to tour the Beverly Hills approach, but um, do you anticipate this drone being up 24-7, or is this the kind of deal where you just dispatch the drone when you got a kind of a an item of interest, or what's the strategy with the drone? If you're allowed to disclose that, I don't want to reveal too many secrets, but... No, no, absolutely not a problem. We can disclose that. And yes, we have visited uh, Beverly Hills and looked at their program. They've got a fantastic program down there. Uh, so ours is going to be a little bit different, and uh, we are ready to go. We, we've we developed a mobile platform where our drones are going to be positioned on a vehicle, and mm. 
those vehicles will be driving around. We're, we're, we're anticipating providing 16 hours of service. As Jason mentioned, because of when getting the helicopter up here has been a problem for the deputies, I mean, for the sheriff's department. And so we wanted to provide some air support to these deputies. So we developed this program and we'll, like I said, we'll be able to give 16 hours. And the beauty of it is, is that they will be out and about in the community and when they get a call or a need for a drone to deploy, they drive out and get within three miles of that location and can deploy immediately and get those deputies rapid air support. Also, uh, as Jason mentioned, they'll have the ability to shoot whatever image they have down to uh, the back of that vehicle, which is going to have a large screen in it uh, so that it can go to a command post or we can direct it to sheriff's department desk or uh, their their command post at at their leisure okay so you're envisioning that the their airport so to speak is going to be a mobile truck or some such thing and that's going to be staffed by lancaster folks that's correct in okay. fact it is already uh developed and ready to go all we're right just, uh, yeah we're we're uh, we're we're doing deployments now with uh with the city in fact so and the sheriff's department is uh getting some uh, policies and things together. And once they do that, we, uh, we expect them to uh, let us deploy our program with, with their deputies. Interesting. So I think we've heard a ton of conversation here about um, supplementing the, the sheriff's department, collaborating with the sheriff's department. Um, you just started touching on that point of interface, right, between what you guys are doing and how that information gets to deputies in real time, or if you're doing your um, kind of crime intelligence network work, how are you getting that information into the hands of sheriff deputies? Like, you got two, there's always the risk in local government of these silos that get created. How, how are you guys going to break down those silos, or what does that interface look like for y'all? Well, thankfully, the relationship between the city and the sheriff's department uh, has been great long before I got here. So I walked into that. And uh, the other the other good thing is, is being a 32 year uh, sheriff's department veteran, uh, I know many of the members of the sheriff's department, including at this station. So so our relationship is great already. So the communication and the sharing of information is already happening. Um, we, we do not expect to see any problems uh, getting in the way of that. And we have regular meetings with the Sheriff's Department. I have regular meetings with their command staff at the station. So uh, I think the collaboration is gonna be fine. And I think uh, you're hitting the nail on the head when you say the most important thing is that we share, continuously share information. And, uh, and that's what's going to happen. So it sounds like part of that integration or interface, I mean, just on a tactical level, is some ability to collaborate in technology, for example. I'm sorry, say that again? So it sounds like some of that collaboration is going to be rooted in your capacity to span data systems or networks or share information, right, from a just a tactical level of, like, for example, you were talking about broadcasting down an image from a drone. So for, would you be, there's going to be a methodology working out how to give that link to a sheriff deputy who's on a laptop or an iPhone in their car, or is it going to be dependent upon them accessing a console with your mobile base station for the drone? So uh, that portion of it will depend on the sheriff's department and uh, who they want to give access to. Once we start to work together on that, uh, we'll be open to letting them decide who they, who they want it to go to. Uh, I'd imagine it would definitely be their desk. Uh, and then from there, they'll, do, they'll have to decide whether they want 
deputies in the field to have it or go to the watch commander or the watch sergeant. Yeah. And I guess, Ryder, let me use the example Chief said about the hotel, too, is that in collaborating with them, the Sheriff's Department was dealing with this problem, right? And their, their tools were law enforcement, right? Arrest. Right. Many times you go to a hotel, you arrest somebody, they're going to be back at their hotel before you even get them back. So um, they their tools were taken away from them in the, in the deal with this hotel. Um, where we bring in those additional tools. We brought in code enforcement. We brought in building inspection. We brought in um, the Department of uh, Board of Equalization on some of the sales tax issues. You know, mm -hmm. you bring in a multitude, the Department of Public Health, we start bringing in all these different resources to effectuate change on the hotel owner, frankly, who is running a bad operation. Um, and then we solve that problem that way, where traditionally the, those tools may not be available to the Sheriff's Department to go do that, or the time wasn't available to do that. So I think those are a couple types of way we interface, I think, are going to make it better for everybody. Right. The citizens, the Sheriff's Department, um, you know, and uh, some of the business owners. The um, What does it mean to that you're going to have sworn officers? Why, as a layperson, uh, I'm not sure how to equate what the significance of that is. I assume that, I mean, like my head for and naively speaking, I assume that means they get to carry a gun, but maybe that's not even correct. So what, why is it important that they're sworn? Why you have, because I assume you'll end up chief with a mix of sworn and non-sworn people working as civilians working in your department is the vision. Is that correct? So, uh, yes, like, like with every single police department out there, you're going to have uh, uh, non-sworn employees and you're going to have uh, your sworn officers. So first, your sworn officers are post-certified uh, police officers that have all the powers granted to them within the state and the county and the city to do law enforcement work. So, and that's what our officers will be, uh, the same police officers that you see out on the streets in your neighborhoods. Uh, we'll also have non-sworn folks who work for us. And we've already done that, in fact. Uh, one step we took immediately in realizing that uh, the sheriff's department was having some problems with response times in, in the uh, in the community. Uh, we we wasted no time hiring uh, community service officers. We actually call them law enforcement technicians, and they're working with the sheriff's department now, being trained. And these folks will go out and be dispatched to those lesser level calls, basically report calls, and try to lower those response times. And again, free up the deputies so they could deal with other issues. So that's an example of our non-sworn employees. Yeah. And when you when you add that, when you talk about response response times, and I know people listening probably know this, but is this concept of that community safety feeling, right? If they got to wait five hours for a, a deputy to respond on a burglary call, they're not going to feel feel very safe. Nope. And when the deputy gets there, he says, "Sorry, I'm late. I had 15 other calls ahead of you." They're not going to feel pretty safe. They come home 30 minutes later, and they've got one of our people there taking a report. Sharing with them, being good customer service, saying we're not, we may not be able to find this person, but you know, we we didn't happen in our presence, whatever that might be. But we're going to take a report for you for your insurance. We'll do some, you know, uh, investigation. We'll share that with the deputies so they know that there's maybe a trend in burglaries or that neighborhood needs to be watched. Um, but the response times will be far greater, and that impacts communities' feeling of safety. Yep. Um, that I think just we don't we can't measure, but um, I think it has an impact. Yeah. If, if I may, there's one more very important piece uh, that we haven't mentioned, and, and I think this makes us extremely unique. So the city is, we, we are hiring the department, we are hiring social service, uh, social services uh, piece or employees. So we're talking about having individuals who are trained and uh, have an, an expertise in things like Department of Children and Family Services, the work they would do. 
mental health, uh, homelessness. And, and these folks will work with our officers to deal with issues. Uh, an example is, let's say the sheriff's department makes us aware of a house that they're going to 20 times a year for domestic violence. Our officers and those social service, uh, our social service employees will be able to work with that family, try and figure a way to fix the issues in there and, and stop that draw on the sheriff's department and help that family deal with the problems. So uh, that's something that I think is extremely unique about what we're doing here in Lawndale, excuse me, in Lancaster. And uh, those, those folks will also strengthen the relationship with the existing uh, county, city, and state entities that do that work already. And uh, hopefully get that, that relationship is so strong that they're thinking Lancaster and we're getting them up here to help us as much as possible. Yeah, was, so that actually, Chief, that was inspiring me for a question I want to ask Jason follow up to. And I'm not trying to stir a pot here, but I am curious, like, you know, child prote child protection services and some of those other social services are typically LA County services, right? Um, in most cities. So you okay. guys are putting your toe into some additional areas of customer support for, for well, as you noted, very good reasons, right? For response time and, and speed of collaboration. Um but is that a is that a fair assessment that you're having to kind of fill in a gap that that just exists in terms of speed to delivery in the community right now for you guys up there in Lancaster? Yeah, well, I think it's filling in a gap, but it's also encouraging them and participating with them to participate, right? So we we have different every city has a differing relationship with the county and the county services. Is we want to deepen that relationship with those those folks. Um, we may have to bring on some personnel ourselves to do that, but to to bridge that line of communication and say, hey, we need your help. Right. Sometimes that squeaky wheel does get more grease, right? Right. Um, is if if the problem isn't identified, then maybe they don't provide the services that way. But we need to identify the problems to them to make sure that they do the job that they're tasked with as well. Um, there's again fantastic people over there in mental health and uh, in child protective services, and they may say, hey, you know what? We may solve a problem for them too. Right? They might say, you know what? If we just had this level of service from a law enforcement perspective, you might solve our problem, and vice versa. Hey, if we could have this team up here to help us do this, we could solve that problem. So it's a collaborative effort, no question. Um, but it's the opportunity to say, hey, we, we're here. We're investing in this problem. We're trying to solve this problem. We need your help to do that. And we're willing to put resources back behind that as well. Right. Um, from a fiscal perspective, Jason, I'm just curious, do you have uh, how did you model this out from a fiscal perspective, right? Because obviously there's cost for standing up a department doing this work. Uh, some of it may be paid for by offsetting some of the sheriff contract or by reducing the rate of increase in the sheriff contract. Some of it may just be, yeah, we're going to have to spend more money, but we're going to have better customer service. How's that? How was that kind of mapped out for you guys from a financial perspective? Yeah, about three years ago, I guess it was last election, two years ago, we passed measure, the citizens passed measure LC, which was a three-quarter cent sales tax. Um, and the overwhelming response we got from that process and the city council got from that process was law enforcement was their highest priority. Um, so when you look at those net new revenue stream that the citizens, you know, tasked us with, right? They didn't task us to put it in the bank. They tasked us with providing better services. Um, and law enforcement was obviously the highest priority. It's the highest priority of our council. It's the highest priority of our community. Um, and when you looked at sheriff's hiring, right? One, they're very expensive. Um, two, they were unavailable, right? We had 30 vacancies. We, we didn't have the opportunity to hire more deputies, um, nor do we think hiring more deputies would actually impact some of the problems we were facing. Um, so the next logical solution is let's figure out this hybrid model, right? 
Um, and that's how we did it. And the reality is you set a budget based on a certain available funds and you build that budget. Um, my history is I've, I've started our own PD in a previous city. I worked in Tatchby. Um, and the reality is, is what's going to happen is that there's going to be more investment right, in public safety because we're it's a it's a local connection. And I'm going to see that budget from a budget perspective. There's going to be a higher priority placed on that, which is good. Um, and hopefully those outcomes are going to be metered and make sure that the, we're getting our money's worth or the citizens at that point. Um, who approve this new tax are getting their, you know, their fair share of their money back and their impact to their outcomes of their quality of life as a result of it. So, so it sounds like, uh, well, first of all, congratulations for the citizens to um, trust their local government to give you that additional sales tax increase to fund an operation, uh, whatever you ended up doing with it, in this case, funding an operation for public safety. Uh, secondary point being, it sounds like net-net, your overall budget for public safety between the sheriff's contract and this in-house operation is definitely, you're going to be spending more than you would otherwise, but the point is you're going to deliver bigger, better, stronger services with a stronger customer service bent. And ultimately the goal is reduce crime, right? Like that's fundamental kind of goal number one, I, I would presume from the overall effort. Absolutely. And then the message we get from council, there wasn't any intent to cut out sheriff's department and build this on the back of what our existing contract is. Um, we're understaffed there. Uh, we're probably still understaffed now. Um, the reality is we need more investment in it, not less investment. So that's been the message that we get from our city council is we're investing more in law enforcement, not less. Right. Um, ultimately, I guess what I'm also hearing, too, is it sounds like Lancaster remains just as committed to the sheriff contract relationship model as you always have been. This is purely a sub supplement uh, addition to what you want to get done there in the city. Accurate All right. Statement. Any any other uh, exciting programs, initiatives, ideas, the kind of thought things that happened during the course of this process that you'd love to share with the broader community in the local government world? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, we mentioned uh, quite a few things already, you know, like our, our uh, Intelligence Crime Assessment Center, ICAC. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're, we're also bringing on, uh, or we've actually hired already, uh, a special projects team. And that works in collaboration with the Sheriff's Department as well, where uh, when we identify some of these issues, uh, you know, say, say we have a uh, prostitution, or a uh, sex trafficking problem uh, in in the area, uh, our special projects team is able to pull together the resources necessary to deal with that. Go out there and try and and help those victims, some of those women out there who are victims of sex trafficking, and try and solve that problem in a collaborative effort. Uh, uh, an example of how this worked for us one time is we we had already learned our special projects team learned of uh, uh, an illegal after-hours strip club. And with the help of the Sheriff's Department, we were also able to identify that there was some violence associated with that place. Mm -hmm. uh, unpermitted, unlicensed, operating into the wee hours of the morning. And uh, we pulled together the necessary resources, including uh, the uh, uh, State Employment Department and and uh, all these other entities that, that work on, on problems dealing with labor. And we also went in with our code enforcement, our Department of Health, and other entities, and we're able to shut that place down. So, so our special projects team is important. Uh, other cities are using crime prevention through environmental design. Uh, well, and that's a, a process where you uh, folks are trained up to go into locations and basically harden the target or talk to them about ways to make it less appealing to crime. Mm -hmm. Well, we sent several individuals to that training. 
so that we can have enough folks to go out, not just to businesses, but to residents as well and provide information. So, uh, and we're looking at developing an agency model to address long-term root causes with homelessness, which we want to include kind of a three-tiered housing um, uh, solution or, or solution to get these folks off the street where, uh, you know, the first thing is, is emergency housing and then transitional uh, where they're going to be learn things and be taught uh, job skills, and then hopefully move them to where they're they have the ability to purchase their own home. So that's a program we're looking at developing for this city as well. So uh, there's many other things that that we're bringing that are different, uh, but like you said, sometimes you don't want to give all the sauce. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I'm sitting there smiling, Chief, because I'm like, you're going to have your hands full, buddy. You're going to be a busy dude. <laughs> well, well, the good thing is, is like I said. Uh, the city's been perfect in understanding and saying, hey, we want to give you the time, the ability, and the resources, most importantly, to have an effect on it and not just chase it around. Have right. an effect on the problems. Yeah. I, um, I've i always, uh, as I said earlier in this conversation, and Jason's heard me say this many times, I respect Lancaster for their desire to innovate and try new things. Um because generally speaking, like local government and government in general is risk averse. That's not just local government issue, right? I mean, government's risk averse for understandable reasons. They want to protect taxpayer money. And, um, you know, you make one mistake and they're going to be all over you like, a, a, you know. Uh, so I understand. I understand it. On the other hand, uh, if you don't take some risk, you can't innovate. And uh, I was having a conversation with a with a fellow a few months ago at a conference and he was talking about innovation in cities and getting elected official buy-in on the reality that if you want innovation in your organization, as a council, you have to be able to tell your staff, it's okay for you to take a risk, right? Go make this happen. Uh, and I, hearing you, Jason, it sounds like your mayor and council said, we know there's there's opportunity here. There's going to be some risk to try something new, but this we're a community worth investing in. Absolutely. And they've done that for the 16 years I've been here. Um, whether it be energy or uh, construction and innovation and uh, property design, go down the list, um, you know, our fee structure, our law enforcement efforts. I mean, it's just one thing after another. They're willing to take a risk. And yeah, and there there frankly have been some failures. We don't hire Trepepe Smith to tell our failures, but the, uh, <laughs> well, all the successes we, we get on the we get on the bandwagon. I'm, I'm joking, but it's kind of true. Um, but no, we have we have a lot of lists of successes where we've we've done well, and then what happens is the community builds on that, right? You do one thing that's like, what are those guys doing? Oh, it works. And they do another thing. What are those guys doing? Oh, it worked. And then before you know it, yeah, why wouldn't the hybrid model work? Why wouldn't hydrogen work? Why wouldn't you know everything else has worked? So yeah, let's go. So you get a community that's even supportive of that because innovation is a community problem too. If you if you've got a mayor that wants to go out and change the world. And you got five citizens there who want to keep the world the same way, you know, the citizens have to back this this innovation too. It's it's, yep. it's a you know the three pronged, you know, you got citizens, council, and staff. And unfortunately we've had all three of those for a long period of time. Yeah, seemingly. Well, that's exciting stuff. As always, it's good to hear a report from Lancaster and hear what you all are up to. Uh, how if if uh, folks out there that are listening to this want to learn more about the programs you have going on there, uh, Jason, how do people get a hold of you to ask any questions? You can call Chief, and uh, <laughs> probably not a cell phone, but the uh, <laughs> you can call Chief or call City Hall. We'll, we'll get you to Chief. Um, and then uh, as as it rolls out, we're going to be tracking this this stuff from a statistical per, per, uh, perspective. 
and also a roadmap, right? What do we got to do with benefits? What do we got to do with hiring? How do we, what's the pay going to look like? You know, go down all those lists of things that, what are the operating procedures? How do you need to change your municipal code? What are, you know, what are the ordinances need to get put in place? Kind of this, you know, 101 to how to form a hybrid policing model that will hopefully at the end of the day be able to share with everybody that if you wanted to do it, one, it can be done, two, it can be done well, and three, here's the, here's the roadmap. Well, first, I would love to have you back here a year from now for a check-in and see how that progress has come in and discuss some of those KPIs. Um, second, uh, certainly would be great to see you all out on the conference circuit through a League of Cities meeting or a um, Contract Cities meeting where you get a chance to kind of share with the community about what you guys are up to as well. So that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Chief, I'll spare you giving up your contact information since uh, Jason <laughs> Jason went ahead and intervened. I don't need your cell phone number, buddy, but I appreciate it. Um, and that's today's report. So I want to thank uh, Jason and Chief Armelin for joining us from the public CEO team and myself, Ryder Todd Smith. Thank you for your time. We hope you learned something new and inspiring that will help you in your public service. Remember, Public CEO has a daily newsletter that is free to those who sign up at publicceo.com. If you have feedback, questions, or guest suggestions for Public CEO Report, please email editor at publicceo.com.